Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. I am so thankful to get to stand here today. You know, each year we do something special for Pastor Appreciation, and this is the first year we've been able to do this, and uh, it has been extraordinarily special for me and Tyler and Karis because we are going to tag team preach today's service, and we're going to title our thoughts, Things We've Learned from Our Father. And I'll tell you this, that one of the greatest honors that I have had thus far in life is to be able to be on staff with my dad. It has just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. But what I love most about my dad is he isn't just a guy that preaches great sermons. He lives out the sermon that he preaches. And the greatest sermon my dad will ever preach to me and my siblings and to his grandchildren is the sermon of his life. And so what I want to share with you for a few moments is what we believe the sermon of his life has been to us in our lives. So the first point that I'm going to tackle this morning is our father showed us how to love the church. Not just how to attend church, not just how to to check it off the list, but truly how to love church and how to love the things of God. From a very young age, our dad made sure that his children loved church. Church wasn't something that dad did and it wasn't dad had to go to work. Church was something that we all did every Sunday, every Wednesday. Listen, when I was growing up after school, I came up to the church Three o'clock, I was here till dad was ready to go home, five or six o'clock. And, and, and I, I practically lived at the church. But I loved being a part of the church. Some things that he taught us about loving the church and how to love the church was he taught us how to love attending church. Hebrews 1025, let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Christ's return is coming. Can I tell you this? Judah Howell at 15 needed some encouragement to attend church. How many of you guys or parents out there know that sometimes you got to encourage your child and sometimes it was a holy encouragement. Can I get a witness? But I'm thankful that my dad encouraged our church attendance. You see, he always made sure that it was a highlight of our week. It wasn't something that we just did in and out, but it was always an experience going to church. He always made sure that we never felt like it was just a part of the motions. He always wanted to make sure that we were attending church and had a desire to attend church. The second thing, he taught us to serve the church. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 13. He says, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also are to wash one another's feet. 
It is something so important for us to instill in our children. It's so important for us to instill in those coming behind us to make sure that they have a heart to serve. From a very young age, as long as we were old enough to start serving, we were serving. And I loved how my parents did it because they didn't say where I had to serve and they didn't say what I had to do. They just said you had to serve. So I was able to discover myself in the local church and I did everything. I mean, I tried every ministry except for women's ministry. That was the only one that I didn't get around to. I, 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 I tried everything because I was trying to find myself as a young 11-year-old up to 17-year-old. I was trying to find myself in the body of Christ. And can I encourage you today, let your children find themselves in the body of Christ. But make sure when they find themselves in the body of Christ, they're finding themselves in a healthy church, in a healthy environment that's going to help encourage them and going to help them grow. I really believe that when you allow for young people to serve, they are more likely to stay. You want to know how to make sure that when your kid goes off to college, they're going to continue to serve the Lord. Make sure they're serving in church. One of the greatest things my dad ever did for me in my life was this. When I turned 18 years old and graduated high school, I thought I was big and bad, going to be my independent self. And I, and, I, and I moved to Daytona, and I was attending college in Daytona, so I was free. I wasn't living with mom and dad. Mom and dad didn't have say over what I was doing. But he, he looked at me, and he said this. He says, Judah, he goes, you're independent now, but as long as I'm helping you through college, there's two rules. The first rule is this. You will attend church on Sunday mornings. And the other was you will serve at that church. Those were the two rules that I had going into college. I had to find a church to attend and I had to serve that church. Why is that so important? Because he understood if I was serving that church and I was dedicated to that church, I wasn't going to leave that church. And I want to encourage you. If you have children, get them involved in serving. If you have young people, get them involved in serving because when they're serving and they're connected, they are far less likely to fall away. I am so thankful that my dad instilled serving in my heart. And the last thing I want to talk about is he showed us how to fight for unity inside of this church. Now this specific principle I learned at 16 years old. And it's one of his favorite stories to tell parents raising teenagers. But I will tell you this, how funny this story is going to be. It was the greatest thing to ever happen to me in my entire life. When I was 16 years old, I thought that I knew everything. I thought that I could tell you how to grow a church and how to grow a ministry. I thought I could tell you what, what needed to happen in order for it to be correct. And you know, I was emboldened to start telling people my thoughts. And so I started to tell my friends all the things that I thought our current uh, staff member was doing wrong. And I started to list all the things that I was just unhappy with. And I started to just complain and have negativity around this person. And it went on for a while 
And I had one specific friend that I just was just hateful towards the staff member to. Well, that friend went and told another friend. And then that friend went and told that staff member. And then that staff member so humbly let pastor know what was going on. (laughs) So at 16 years old, a Wednesday night at 10.35 p.m. I know the exact time, trust me. I was dead asleep, y'all. And I, so I'm in my room, I'm dead asleep, and all I see is that door swing open. You, you, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was happening. And all of a sudden, Gary House just whoo, swinging in. And I'm telling you what, I got myself tore up that night. 16 years old. Listen, I wasn't a small boy at 16. I was already six foot, 200 pounds. There was a whole lot to get a hold of. But I tell you this for this reason. He tore me up. He's proud of it. He is. But he looked at me. And he said, Judah, I have raised you better than this. I will not have my own son sowing seeds of division and discord in my church. And he said, you will overcome this. He says, you will overcome the negativity that has gripped hold of your mind. And I'll tell you this, over the next course of those three months, it wasn't so much the whooping that changed my life, but I like to to attribute it to that. (laughs) But it was the next three months where I had no life. And I got off of school and I went and sat with dad. Listen, it was so bad that night. I didn't tell us first. That night, he made me call the friend I was bad-mouthing. That friend was asleep, so he made the, the, mother's friend, the mother of my friend wake the friend up so I could apologize. And then the next day, he pulled me out of school, and I had to go apologize to the person I was bad-mouthing. He didn't play around. But it was the greatest thing to ever happen to me because he looked at me where I was. And he says, Judah, you're better than this. And he goes, Judah, you're gonna overcome this. And I want to encourage each and every one of you. It doesn't matter where your kids are at. You can look at them in their situation and you can speak to them and you can say, you are better than this and you will overcome this. I want to have my children serve the Lord. But I know that there will be times in my life where my kids are going to act crazy and they're going to drive me to my wit's end. But I know that I'm going to be able to look at them the same way my daddy looked at me. And I'm going to be able to say, you will overcome this. And you will be the man that I have raised you to be. Karis is going to come and share our next point. Good morning, everyone. For those that I haven't met, I am Karis. I am the youngest of all of the Howell children and the only girl, so it means I get a little bit spoiled. <laughs> but, but I'm so happy to be here. Um, definitely came here as a surprise for my parents. They were not expecting it. Um, it really was a huge, you know, whole operation to keep this entire thing a surprise. Uh, Nana, Nana did great keeping it a surprise. 
She is the best little seeker keeper out there. So everyone, you know, had their doubts. They're like, oh, don't tell Nana too soon. We don't, we don't want her, like, to say anything or anything like that. I was like, ah, Nana has it. Don't worry. So I called her last week on Sunday. said, Nana, I'm going to drive down from Michigan to Florida to surprise my dad and mom for pastor appreciation. So I need to stay at your house on Friday. And he was like, okay, sounds good. And I was like, you can come with me down to Orlando too, and you can surprise them. She's like, oh, yeah, sounds great. So we had the plan. Everything was going great. And the very next day on Monday, my father called Nana, and he's like, hey, Nana, I'm going to pick you up on Thursday. Be ready. Have your bags packed. She said, no, 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 no. I don't think I want to go. Uh, may maybe in a couple months. And my dad was crushed. <laughs> With him being the baby, I understand, but felt like his mama didn't want him to, to see him. But Banana called me right after that phone call. She was beaming. She was so proud. She said, Karis, your dad called. I kept the secret. <laughs> said, I told him, not now, not now. So we did a great job keeping this a secret. Um, and, you know, I think another reason that no one really expected it was who would really think that someone that's 32 weeks pregnant would drive down by themselves with a toddler to, uh, from Michigan to Florida. But, I mean, I have all my sanity, so that is all good. <laughs> but I'm super thankful to be here today um, to see my family and just to be able to share a few things my dad has taught me. So the point that I'm going to be talking about today is how my dad taught me to love people. So 1 Peter 1.22 says, So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And if there's one thing that Gary Howell does well, it's love people. He's never been someone who cared about opportunity or position. He's just always cared about the person. He is the truest definition of a pastor and a shepherd. And, you know, there's just several distinctive moments from our childhood that I could take and just see how he showed his love for people. So one way is he showed us how to celebrate people growing up. So my dad never missed a moment to celebrate someone, especially in our family. You know, he always made sure to be at every single big event, even the small, just day-to-day -day life things. And I'm reminded of when we would have to sit around the table at dinner time, and my dad would pick one person, and we all had to go around and say three things we loved about them. Well, as a kid, this was horrible. I was like, I gotta tell Judah something again? So like, you kinda go around like, I like your shoes, you got good hair, and he's like, no, 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 do something better than that, make it more meaningful. And so we had to say those three things. And really, um, it just instilled in each of us the outward, the look of, um, an outlook of positivity. <laughs> and that no matter what, there's gonna be something to celebrate even when it's tough. You just got to look hard enough for it. And it feels like the simple task of saying just three things that we loved about each other was teaching us to search for the good, which is such a great ability that can be applied to so many different aspects of life. So I would challenge you today, if you're having a struggle with celebrating someone in your life, just challenge yourself with the task of making yourself say three things that you love about them. You know, even if it's someone that got the promotion over you or the annoying sibling or anything like that. It will quickly change your mindset in that situation. My dad was also super intentional with each of us by making entire days dedicated to just us. And the best day all year was Karis Day. 
It was a day that revolved all around me. And it was never something that was like planned out super far in advance. It was more of a, hey, you did so good this week studying for your test or in school or facing your fear with this. What do you think we, if we have a Karis day tomorrow? So that was the best thing to hear is when he was offering to have a Karis day. And you know, there's a few rules with Karis days or Tyler days or Judah days. You know, it has to happen on a school day because you have to be able to skip. It doesn't count if you're not skipping school. And then dad would take off of work. And most of my Karis days would end up at Build-A-Bear or shopping in the mall. And, you know, Tyler's and Judah's would probably be something completely different. But it was just a day that we would spend with our dad. And these days were just so important to us growing up. And so if you are a parent, I would really highly encourage you to take these types of days with your kids. You know, it makes them feel like they're the most important person in your world. And it does wonders for their self-confidence and will make them feel loved and seen by you. And another way my dad taught us to love people is he showed us to meet people where they are. So growing up, there were several times that we uh, would open up our home for people to stay with us. And it would be for different seasons and a variety of reasons of whether it was just young people needing some structure in their lives or families with changing circumstances. But that was just the kind of people that my, fam that my parents were. They brought people into their lives and loved them where they were, not once they got it all right. And my mom, being a principal and a teacher, you know, she would often make these special connections with her different students. Usually it was ones that would have like a rougher home life or things like that. And she would just pour so much into these kids in and out of school just to get them on a better path. And something that always stuck out to me is how my dad always supported her in this. It was never just my mom pouring into these kids. My dad would meet them, he'd give them gifts, talk with them, build a relationship with them. And they really loved these kids where they're at. And I'm so thankful for a God who chooses to love me where I'm at as I strive to get to where I need to be. And as just a little side point to that, I think it's super important to support your spouse in these ways, to take interest in what moves their hearts. My dad showed my mom just how much he loved her by being involved in these kids' lives as well. So they were always a team when it came to caring for people. And one of the last things I want to talk to you guys about is how he showed us to bring people together. My dad does life with his church. Growing up, our closest friends were always church friends, and they were welcome into our daily lives, and it wasn't just a Sunday, see you later, bye. Um, my dad encouraged these relationships, and he demonstrated it with his friendships. You know, we would often take, like, vacations, um, like with the sisters who were some of the original members of the church, and we would have boating days or beach days with a bunch of our friends. And my dad was always helping us build community because living in community is vital to loving people. And it takes an effort to build community. It's not always going to be convenient or comfortable, but it's important to seek out those friendships. Some of the most rewarding friendships come from unexpected people being brought together. So my prayer for you today is that you'll be able to learn from my dad, just as I did, to love people by celebrating them, meeting them where they are, and being in community. Thank you. Awesome. So I've got the task of giving my lesson, lesson that I've learned uh, from, from my father in the third one. And a uh, lesson that our father taught us was how to love God. And he taught us how to love the church, how to love 
people, but, but most of all, I mean, he taught us how to, how to love God. And, and all, all of my siblings, you know, they had their stories. Um, uh, you can tell Judah's the middle child. Um, <laughs> and uh, Karis is the spoiled one because she had way more Karis days than I. Um, but I was trying to think of like, of, of a story, and, and I want you to know the best story that my father uh, ever did for us to teach us how to love God was the story of his life. You know, I, I think that there are more than just moments that, that he taught us how to love God, but it was his life on display that he lived his life in a manner and in a way that his life is the story. And 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. Can I just encourage you with this today, that when your life is a story of God's faithfulness, you won't have to convince others that God is faithful. When your life is a testimony of the faithfulness of God, when, when, when you live in such a way that, it, that your life speaks for itself, when, when times get tough and, and, and kids start to rebel because all three of us had seasons where we were not easy, you know, my dad had a heart attack when my hair was past my shoulders and, and I still wore, and I was wearing skinny jeans and, and wanted to play in bands and hang out on uh, places on Saturday nights I had no business hanging out in. He, I, I probably gave him a heart attack. But, but when his life is a testimony of the faithfulness of God, he never had to convince me that God was faithful because his life convinced me of the faithfulness of God. You see, our father never had to convince us uh, that God was merciful because we experienced the mercy of God through the mercy of our Father. We, we never questioned the love of our Heavenly Father because our Father lived in such a way that we were able to experience our fa Heavenly Father's love through how He would forgive us and love us through being a dad. Can I just tell you this? Let others experience God through your life. Let it be more than just a Sunday thing. Let it actually be a way that you see your life as a conduit of blessing, as a conduit of God's faithfulness, as a conduit where, where the mercy of God is lived out through you. You see, our Father taught us how to love God because there was never any duplicity in my Father. You see, who my dad is on a Sunday is the same guy that he is on a Monday, because just like he would have walked in the room on a Wednesday night at 1035 at night and whooped us on the booty. That's a better word, right? <laughs> Giving us a spanking. If we were acting up on a Sunday morning while he was preaching on the second row, you know you'd have been called out for acting up and not acting straight. Who he is on a Sunday is who he is on a Monday and a Thursday. There wasn't duplicity in our dad. There was never any duplicity in our dad that caused us to question the God that he served. He was honest about his shortcomings, honest about his imperfections, honest that he needed Jesus and that Jesus isn't the hope of the world and for somebody else and the hope for other nations. But Jesus is the hope for his life. Yeah. He was honest about his personal needs for Jesus. 
I remember my dad growing up, he's always been honest about his own mistakes. The reason he's a Christian, the reason he's a pastor isn't because he's figured it all out. It's because he loves Jesus so much that he wants to give his life for the one that's given his life. And, 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 and he's been honest about his mistakes. There's many times where maybe in parenting, uh, uh, they made the wisest decision at the moment they could, but yet in hindsight, it wasn't the best. And he said, hey, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry that maybe I got frustrated when I should not have. You want to know what speaks volume to your children is when they hear a parent say, I'm sorry. When they hear a parent say, listen, I need Jesus and I, want the dupli- I don't want there to be any duplicity in my life. My dad was honest that Jesus was the answer, but not just the answer, his answer, the answer for his life, the answer for his family. You know, growing up, I often heard uh, people ask and parents ask my parents, how is it that all of your kids, they're PKs and PKs don't have the best reputation. Um, We are known as hellions and, uh, you know, they don't have the best reputation, but they would often get say, how is it your kids are PKs and yet uh, they they still love God, still love the church, love people. And I want us, I want us to see this, that the answer or it may be a answer, but I believe the answer for us today is this, is that my father did not live a double life. Yeah. And, and, and statistics tell us that Gen Z is going to be the first post-Christian generation in American history. That, 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 that one in five Gen Zers will actually claim to be a Christian. We're, we're talking past casual Christianity now. But if, if I could just, just look at us and say, I mean, why is it that, that, that it seems generation of generation? Because, because the next generation is just sick of the motions and sick of a God that is just given lip service to and never the full life given towards. And, and because there's been duplicity in the church, in the life of believers, many say, well, that's not a God that I want to hang around. It's not a God I want to serve. And I'm so thankful that my father did not live and does not live a double life. So can I encourage you with this today? Kill your duplicity. It's never too late to stop living in duplicity. It's never too late to to make the change in your life. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. My father's not perfect by any means, but my father never decided in himself, I just want to be honest. I really believe in this Jesus thing and I really need him. See, our father taught us how to love God through how he prays. I remember growing up, man, everywhere we went, everywhere we go, my dad would be praying. We'd be in the car. Friends would be in the car. My dad's just praying in the Holy Ghost in the front seat as he's driving. And I'm not saying praying underneath his breath. I'm talking about praying out loud in the Holy Spirit as we're driving. We'd be shopping at Target and my dad be walking around. Hallelujah. You know, people next aisle had to think Benny Hinn was walking by or something. Hallelujah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But but my, my, my father taught us that, that, that prayer and connection with God is not just something we do on Sundays, but it's a life that we live. That, that he carried it into his, every aspect of his life. And, and prayer wasn't something my dad talked about. It was something that he did. My dad understood that, that there was a legacy of prayer from his father. 
that he learned and his father learned it from his mother and that there's a legacy of prayer. Can I just tell you something? The greatest legacy you can live, give your children and give the next generation is not financial blessing, is not just giving them a great legacy and generational wealth, but it's giving them generational spiritual wealth and teaching them the things of God. And what was amazing is that we realized, man, this is real for our dad. Like his faith is real for him. And see, what's real for you will become real for your children. But I think so often is that our kids may see us at times as just giving lip service to God and then acting like the devil through the week. Now, there's times you might act like the devil, but just be honest that that's not how you want to be. Be honest that the Holy Spirit's working on you. You don't have to strive for perfection, but we got to be real and say, Lord, I need you. This faith thing is not just something that's a part of my life. It is my entire life. And when it's real for you, it will become real for your kids. See, our father taught us how to love God by positioning us to have our own encounters with God. Something my father always knew was that his faith could not be my faith. And that eventually my faith had to step into its own. And he understood that he couldn't make that happen for us. Parents, you can't like make your children love God. It's got to become real for them. Their relationship, their encounter with God has to become real for them. But one thing my father did was he made sure that we were positioned to encounter God. See, all that we're talking about just by us falling in love with the church and falling in love with people and falling in love with God didn't happen by accident. But as a father of my own, what I pick up from my parents is that I need to parent with intentionality. It's not by accident that we are down at the front raising our hands in the service. Because there was a time when I was 15, I was like, I don't have to raise my hands to be a Christian. And my mom's dad like, yeah, you don't have to raise your hands to be a Christian. You, gotta just, you just gotta raise your hands to live in my house. I'm serious. They, they, this, is what you, this is the life that, that we want patterned for you as a Christian. So when it's worship, worship's not about you. I don't care if you feel like it. Worship's about God and he's just like better than anything else in the world. So we raise our hands. And there were days I'm like this. But they were positioning me for an encounter with God. They were putting me in a position to have my own real experience. They, they didn't say, we're just going to leave it to happen's chance for Tyler, Judah, and Karis to have an encounter with God. And they knew that there was a moment where our faith had to become our faith. Our parents made us go to church. We didn't want to. Made us sit in service when we didn't want to. See, mom and dad knew that there were certain things in our life, struggles, in our life that they could not fix, that only God could fix. And what I love about my parents 
is they lived their life with an open hand, realizing that we are God's gifts. They were to steward it, but yet they did not suffocate us. They allowed us to make mistakes, to walk through our mistakes. They allowed us to experience heartache, even though it would break their heart so that we could know Jesus as the one that alone can heal our heart. They understood that they couldn't fix my life, that only God could. Parents, may we be parents that parent with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be invited in to how we parent. Not just invited into our services, but invited into every aspect of our life. Knowing when the right thing to say, knowing when the right moment to correct. Because there were times where I was doing wrong and yet my parents, knowing I was doing wrong, waited to correct me for the appropriate time. Not just the moment they found out, but the appropriate time where they knew the Holy Spirit could get a hold of my heart. See, what positioned us to have encounters with God was also seeing and knowing that my father had encounters with God. When I preach, oftentimes you'll hear me talk about marking moments in my life where God and the presence of God marked me and the spirit of God marked me. But, but one of the most marking moments of my life is watching in my childhood where I didn't want anything to do with God or, or I was tired of church, was ready to leave. And I, I look over and my father has tears in his eyes and he's crying and he's just asking for the spirit of God to be poured out on him. Or I'd look over and my mom and my dad would be down on their knees at the altar and they'd just be crying out. These were moments where God was marking them, but little did they know God was marking me. Because I said, my dad needs it. A man that I love, admire, respect, if my dad needs an encounter with God, not a casual relationship with God, but an actual encounter with God, I need it too. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the honor. Lord, just the privilege to share practical lessons that we've learned from my father. But not just my father, but a man that has lived out a Christ-like life. Lord, I pray in this room as every head bowed and every eye closed that, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you you show us where the duplicity is. And Lord, that when we see the duplicity in us, that we'll be honest about our mistakes and honest about our need for you. And Lord, that we'll be people that that, that are, are quick to repent and quick, Lord, to forgive. Lord, I pray Lord, that we'll be challenged today. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, Lord. We'll be challenged today to be who you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray for our pastor this morning. I pray that God, even from today, and as it extends to tonight, that he'll feel the wind of your spirit at his back. 
Lord, he'll feel the wind of the support of his church and his staff and his family at his back, Lord. Where there's weariness, I pray in Jesus' name for a refreshing from the river of God. The river of God is plenty of water. Lord, we just pray over him, a blessing over this next year, a blessing over his life, a blessing over his family, a blessing over his finances, Lord, a blessing over every aspect of his life. And Lord, we're thankful that we get the opportunity to honor him today. So Lord, I pray you'll be exalted in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we stand together? And as we're standing, can we just sing to the Lord and just bless him and worship him and just thank him? Come on, allow the Lord right here in this moment just to do a work in your own life and just say, Lord, let the story of my life be a testimony to you. Let the goodness that I live in be a testimony to your goodness. Come on, let's sing this together. Yes, Lord. 